This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I'm joined here by Nick Horwat as we have finally surpassed All-Star Weekend. It was only two days, but it felt like it lasted a little bit longer than that because I needed some NHL action. Luckily, it's Monday. There are NHL games tonight. The Penguins play tomorrow, so we still got to wait a little longer for that. But that's what this podcast is for. It's to help bridge the gap between what we watched all over the weekend, and the final return of the NHL for the stretch run of the season. Horwat, let's start off this episode. We're not going to dive too deep into the All-Star Weekend because it is what it is. It's something that you throw on in the background at the very, like, at the most, actually. So, we'll do this. All-Star Weekend, best and worst moment. Start with the worst, Horwat. The worst? Yes. Your worst moment. Well, I didn't watch a single second of the All-Star game, nor did I watch a single second of the Pro Bowl, because they are both boring as sin. I think I went into this last episode Yeah. about all All-Star games, and I'm sure we'll have more to discuss at a later time, because All-Star games in general kind of just suck. The yeah. skills competition is always the best part of any All-Star game. Any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're on best, and that was the highlight. The skills competition was the highlight, and it was still bad, the best part of it was Trevor Zegers being a monster. Mm -hmm. And, oh, yeah, he's not in the All-Star game. Yeah. So, I don't know. I I thought that was the best moment. John Hamm not – or, yeah, John Hamm giving – what's his – Petrangelo a 19. Uh, Shout out to Vegas fans for thinking that was for Vegas. No, it was for St. Louis. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to break it to you. Not everything is about you, Vegas. Mm -hmm. Uh, Um. Yeah, but yeah, the Trevor Zegers goal, that was disgusting. I messaged you and said, turn it off. That is the best thing that's going to happen all weekend. Yeah, it yeah, was. was. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the little the little mini Jack Hughes thing, that was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there always needs to be a little child pop when it comes to the All-Star game. Yeah. That was it. Um, what other cool moments were there? Because there weren't friggin' many. Yeah, no. Best moment to me was the Trevor Zegers. I mean, are you kidding me? Really? And they, he was brought in specifically to entertain people. I posted or reposted a Mike Rupp video that he posted. And he said, listen, this Trevor Zegers guy, we say what he did was incredible, but he was literally flown here to entertain people. If he would have fell flat, it would have looked bad on the NHL. He just delivered 100, actually 1000%, just absolute ridiculousness from the wardrobe, dressing up as an average Joe from dodgeball to bringing out the the uh, mascots to throw dodgeballs at him to beating Wyatt Russell in the net. I mean, Captain America, it's not the first time he's fallen flat on his face. So I, I think that that was the best part of the weekend. The Hughes thing was cool too. I think the best part of it was the dueling stick toss into that, the stands. Yep. I think it just took cool. a little bit longer uh, for me to develop for that one. I don't think he needed to do the first shot. But the worst part of the weekend was the little skit during the skills competition, the magic skit where the guy made up who was going to play who. That was the magic that we get. You're in Las Vegas. The Jack Hughes thing was more magical to me than that magician having Gritty break his stick and say, oh, I knew John was going to pick 
the Metropolitan and the other two break that. That's not magic. That's planned out bullshit. Like, you're in uh, Vegas. I get that it's going to be cheesy because it's magic, but you could do much better than that. Like I said, the Jack Hughes thing was much better. And lastly, before I just say what the pens have done and then we'll move on because we don't need to spend more than five minutes on this. The last thing that I wanted to mention that the Hughes thing would have been a hundred times better if Quinn Hughes would have came out in a Jack Hughes jersey. Oh, damn it. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> or Luke Hughes, because Luke Hughes plays for, the, he's in the Devils organization. Oh, that would have been fun. Okay. I didn't even think of any of that. See, you thought a lot more about this All-Star game than I did, because I popped the skills competition on thinking, I got nothing else going on right now. I'm just sitting at home because of the snowstorm. Uh at work i'm just sitting in front of my computer i'll pop it on in the background i missed the speed the the skating uh, i guess i overheard larkin ate shit uh not really I nobody he, he uh, almost tripped but nobody actually okay. fell maybe that's what i was thinking of mcdavid lost who cares uh, when it comes to the skills competition you have your classics like the hardest shot like the fastest skater those are okay accuracy shooting those are okay yeah. These new things sucked. Quite honestly, to me, that might be the worst part of the whole, this whole thing is that your new things kind of failed, fell flat. I was interested yeah. in them, but then then you realize uh, for the Bellagio one, oh yeah, we're sticking five uncharismatic men on the same island yeah. in the middle of these fountains. You're not going to be able to see a damn thing because the camera angles are going to suck. The announcer is going to be terrible. Yeah. That, that dude was terrible. Yeah. Was the bad. most... And and then they have to turn the glow pucks on themselves. Yeah. That, the... I don't know. You could have handled it much better, I guess. It was quiet. It was awkward. No one in hockey has charisma. We realize this, right? Well, no, because... See, the 21 and 22, I like that just because of the banter between the contestants. Because, like, Pavelski and Matthews joking around in Kadri and when Kachuk, they were like, oh, two, that's not that great, Brady. And he was like, yeah, thanks. I could, I, I know that. Like, that was the only good part. But the rest of the weekend, I mean, it was the All-Star weekend. It was something to throw on in the background. Yeah, but brutal all around. Uh, you know what here? Cheap, cheap pop for the best part was the ending. It, when it ended, and it was over. And we could get back to actual hockey that mattered. Yeah, there you go. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins, they had a pretty decent weekend. The two that were there, Jake Gensel and Tristan Jari. Gensel came in second in the accuracy shooting. It was really close to going four for four and coming in first. So a nice showing there by Gensel. Jari and Gensel both on the Metropolitan Division team. They won the tournament. Gensel had one goal and two assists in the two games. And Jari, not a great first game, but he closed things out in the second game. 14 to 15 shots in the final period to seal it. So... And he actually made some really nice saves in that second game. So good on them. Luckily, I mean, at the end of the day, it's over. It's the All-Star weekend. We're past it now. Now we look to the stretch run. We look to the trade deadline. And we talk about Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. So we're going to transition here and talk a little bit about Evgeny Malkin. And we, we kind of teased this a little bit on Thursday's episode. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into Evgeny Malkin's return. He's a dozen games in now since coming off of knee surgery where he had to fix all of the alphabet in his one knee. And so far, pretty good. Two goals and one assist, of course, in that return game on January 11th against the Anaheim Ducks. 12 games played up to this point for Malkin this season. Five goals, 13 points, and he's currently riding a nine-game point streak. Seven of those 13 points since he's returned has come on the power play, though. So, Horwat, how do you feel he has performed since he's returned from that knee injury? 
Like he's helping this team win, even yeah. though we haven't done it Won. much recently. He's helping this team win, mm-hmm. and he's helping this team get points. He is on the quietest nine-game point streak I think this team has ever seen. Yeah. Because uh, Gensel hit seven, and I think we all started bugging out. Mm-hmm. But here he is, Malkin, at nine, and presumably going to continue that, despite, like I mentioned, four straight losses, at least for picking up points, kind of. <laughs> but Gino's looking phenomenal. He's not messing with this chemistry. We can lay that to rest. Mm-hmm. And just the immediate impact that he's given has been phenomenal. It's, like we mentioned, 12 games. He hasn't... In those 12 games, he hasn't scored in two of them. Yeah. Two of them. Dude's looking pretty solid. Yeah, I've liked what I've seen from Evgeny Malkin. Still, obviously, you can tell there's another level that he needs to get to, but he hasn't played hockey in six months, and he's only played in 12 games. I think it was nice that he was able to come back, he was able to play a dozen games, then get a week off to kind of just relax it. Kind of basically a cold open, a cold start. See how it feels. Now he gets the break. Now he can really, you know, hit the nose to the grindstone, see how he's doing. The one thing that I would say is he hasn't been as good at 5-on-5, five five, 7 of those 13 points on the power play. But when you look at the Penguins' power play since he's returned, you said he's helping the Penguins win. He's helping yep. the Penguins' power play almost into the top 10 in the National Hockey League. They were improving steadily, but since he's came back, 13 of 39 for the Pittsburgh Penguins on the man advantage. That's good for 33%. And you mentioned, you know, they've lost four in a row. But still, their record since he's come back is 7-2-3. and three. So I think Evgeny Malkin has come back really well, as well as you can expect, off of a knee surgery coming in in the middle of the season, coming in cold, especially coming in in the midst of a really long road trip. And I think that we've seen just the beginning of what's going to be a really good second half of the season for Evgeny Malkin. Hear me out. I don't care that most of his points are coming on the power play. Because you know what he's getting? Points. That's true. You know what he's doing? Helping score. You know, you want to stifle this team? You want to stifle Malkin and make sure he doesn't score? Don't take a penalty against us. Yeah. Simple. Oh, it's the referees. I don't care. <laughs> don't take dumb penalties against us because clearly we're going to score now. Mm-hmm. We have an extra weapon. We have Evgeny Malkin who has how many points on the power play, you said? Seven. Seven. Okay, so it's, it's about half. Yeah. Dude, I don't care that they're on the power play because you want to know what? They don't, they don't ask how. They ask how many. Exactly. And right now, he's got 13. Seven of them are on the power play. I don't care, because guess what? Don't take a penalty against us then. Mm-hmm. You want to have... And that goes with any team, even for the, for the Penguins. You don't want to give up goals, don't take penalties. Yeah. That's the reason why penalties are in the game. That is why you go a man down. The fact that Malkin is proving that he can still score on the power play is important, because that's what was struggling with this team. That was a big uh, gap in our success. Now he's back. He's helping the power play produce, and he's picking them up into the top 10, like you mentioned. That's exactly what we expected. That's what we wanted out of Malkin upon his return. Goal scoring, playmaking, and improving this power play. He's doing it. I don't care that most of his points have come on the power play. If you told me someone scored 50 points, say they're, I don't know, someone scored 50 points, they're on the power play, i say, I don't care, he got 50 points. Mm -hmm. I don't care how he got them. Because you know what he did? He took advantage. It's called the man advantage. You take advantage. That is what Malkin is doing. You're welcome, everybody. I don't... Sure, if someone is only scoring power play goals, maybe it's a small issue because he can't do it at 5-on-5. Five five. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. For now, he's scoring points and helping win. Improving a power play that needed help. Yeah. 
And it's not like he's played poorly at 5-on-5 five five either. It's just the numbers aren't quite as there. And the performance, when you look at his game, you still see that there's still a couple things off. But what do you expect? He's missed six months. So I like the way he's played. I think he's great on the power play. I think that this has helped the Pittsburgh Penguins power play, which has added a dimension to this team. Now, the entire team needs to be better at 5-on-5. Five five. It's not just Malkin's line. Especially the last four games, the entire team has been bad at 5-on-5, five five, and he's been one of only four players that have scored a goal in the past four games. So by no means am I trying to, you know, dish on Malkin or diss Malkin for the way that he's played, but in a 13, or in a 12-game sample size, he's over a point a game. No matter how you get them, I think that that's really good, and also looking at the fact that at 5-on-5, five five, he's had so many different line mates in just 12 games already. Can he get some stability there? I mean, he's had Kapanen on his line, off his line, back on his line. He's had Evan Rodriguez on his wing. He's had Brock McGinn. He's had Danton Heinen. He's had, uh, I don't think he's had Jason Zucker. I think Zucker was, he might have played a game with Jason Zucker. The one game that Zucker played, I don't remember if that was with before or after Malkin was back. But he also had, uh, why can I not remember? I said Danton Heinen. I said Brock McGinn. Evan Rodriguez is on this line. Oh, Jeff Carter. That's Carter. the other guy. He started with Jeff Carter. So he's already had five or six line mates in a dozen games. So get a little bit of stability there. You're probably going to see a little bit of stability, also a little bit more time for him to adjust back to the game. And you're going to see him start to perform a little bit better. I said last Monday that I think he's going to lead the Penguins in scoring in the second half of the season. I stay true to that. I hold true to that. And I think, to me... There's another level that he's going to hit this season that we haven't seen as of yet. And I think it's going to be a very impressive level that's going to help catapult the Penguins to home ice advantage. I don't think they're going to win the division, but I think they might get home ice advantage specifically because of how well Evgeny Malkin is going to be able to play in the second half of the season. And that's not to say anything about the rest of the team, but I think there's another level from Evgeny Malkin that we have yet to see. What do you think? I can agree with that. He does have to just find some stability on his wings. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to pick up assists whenever your wingers aren't scoring. So that's definitely part of it. I see where you're coming from. He needs the stability on the wings. He needs his wingers to start performing like they're supposed to, i.e. Kasperi Kapanen or anybody else that just gets up that gets up there. Like we mentioned, he's got four. He's one of only four to score in mm -hmm. the last few games. It's yeah. Yeah, that's a whole team problem. It's not just Malkin's line mates. Everyone needs to pick up their game. But Malkin's doing just fine. He does have another level to hit still, I believe, and agree with you there. Um, it is just a matter of finding the stability and making sure his line mates can actually perform. Without We expected Kasperi Kapanen to take the team over without Malkin. And then when Malkin came back, to for him to be that line mate that was going to propel Malkin to the level we were expecting. Right now, Kasperi Kapanen can't do shit, and if Genny Malkin still has that extra level to hit, I think, let's say we come back from this all-star break and Kapanen found his game. All right, mm -hmm. sticking with Gino again because that's going to explode and you're going to have the points lead like you're, t like you're saying. Yeah. And I like that idea. My hot take at the end of last episode or two episodes ago was that Zucker's going to be a firecracker when he comes back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hold to that until I'm proven otherwise. So it is just a matter of where those guys go and if they're able to perform, you know, come Tuesday and after. Mm -hmm. uh, Gino, we know, though, is going to be fine. He, maybe he finds his other level. Maybe he finds someone who can score on his line because he can't just do it himself. He's, it is right now the first line and Malkin carrying this team to mm -hmm. not a lot of points, but 
some competition. At least we are looking decent in these losses, some of them. Mm-hmm. We just expect the 5-on-5 five five to be better. Malkin being back should help that, and everyone needs to get their foot back on the gas. So that begs the question, and we'll finish it with this, who should be on his line? Like, who do you put on his wings? And we can say, you know, when people are healthier, when people aren't healthy, but who do you think should be on the wings for Evgeny Malkin? It's, it is such a hard question because people are hurt and people aren't performing to the top of their ability. I liked the Carter idea, mm-hmm. uh, but with Bluger going down forever and ever, he's got to be the third-line center again. Yeah. Um, we expect Kapanen to be better, but again, he's not performing, so it's hard to say <sighs> Kasperi Kapanen right now. It is. Zucker's hurt. You, you want to say him too, but he, A, isn't performing, and B, is hurt. It's such a That's such a hard answer right now, but mm-hmm. I Ideally, in a perfect situation where we are fully healthy and everyone's performing at the top of their game, I would want uh, Kapanen and Zucker on his lines. I like that idea of that's a visible threat on your second line. Mm-hmm. That is Malkin performing the way he is despite power play points. Who cares? He, you get two line mates that can actually do something, power play points will translate into five on five points. Mm-hmm. So, and like I said, getting Kapanen onto his game would be huge. We saw it last year with those two. They can do it. It's just a matter of finding Kapanen's game. So that's why I want him to be there. And Zucker, we just want to see more of. Yeah. Uh, if that's my perfect world situation, as for what it legitimately should be, ah, uh, man, that's still just a hard answer. Literally anybody. <laughs> yeah. Literally anybody, because they're all at the same level right now, and that is hog shit. Well, yeah. When, Maybe not well, hog shit, but. It, we left things off in a bad place for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah going into the all-star break. So at currently not much to think of when it comes to Malkin's wingers and the entire bottom six, because it's only Crosby's line and Malkin that has been able to produce plus Chris Letang on the assist markers. But when you look at this and when I look at this, I like having Zucker and Kapanen play on the same line. It makes me a little wary. The fact that neither of them have been able to finish this year. I mean, Zucker hasn't been able to finish since he first came over in 2019-20, but Kapanen not being able to finish is is where it gets to be a problem because, as we mentioned last week, Jason Zucker does everything else right. He passes the four-check exam that Jesse Marshall has usually almost every time he's out there on the ice. He creates opportunities. He is a tough player to play against because he is out there and he is, he's like the Energizer Bunny. He's out there and he's always four-checking. He's always, you know, sometimes too much where he loses control of the puck. But I like him and Kapanen on the same line, but I would put them with Carter. I think that would be a better fit there because when I look at Evgeny Malkin, do I think that Kapanen and Malkin had something last year? Yes. Would I like to see it again? Yes. If they could get, if Malkin can unlock what we saw in Kapanen last year and his finishing opportunities and the opportunities that he gets on a breakaway, that makes this team 90% better if Kapanen can start producing like he did last year at points. But when I look at Evgeny Malkin's line, My first intuition is that Evan Rodriguez would benefit greatly from being put on a line with Evgeny Malkin. If we can unlock whatever we had in Rodriguez early in the season, that makes the Penguins that much more dangerous. And I think Malkin might be the person to do that for him because Malkin has a great shot. Erod has a great shot. And I think you put Danton Heinen out there and you have three players that are very, very dangerous when they have the puck and they have time. So I like that line of Rodriguez Heinen and Malkin, I think that's what you have to do. At least try it out for an extended period of time, maybe a four or five game sample size, because 
as we've seen, you don't sink or float based on one line with this team. If this team is winning, it's because all four lines are playing well. But the thing that I, the question that I have that might change it is, do I want to break up the first line? Because Brian Rust has been amazing since returning in early January. And then of course he was out and in, but he's been really good as of late. If you put Malkin with a guy like Rust, and then who cares who's on the left side of that? That's going to be really productive. And again, do you want to unlock Evan Rodriguez? Maybe put him with Crosby. That's There's a lot of options. There's uh, a lot of I, options and things to do. And I know that that's a cringeworthy scenario, having Rodriguez with Crosby, because flashbacks to yep. last year. But Nightmares of early 2021. <laughs> give him a shot. He's proven early in the season that he's great. I know he's on a cold streak right now, but if you're trying to get him out of a funk... What better way than to put him with Crosby and Jake Gensel? So, you know, maybe that's what you try to trot out there on Tuesday. We don't know what Mike Sullivan's going to do. We don't know if Danton Heinen's even going to be available to him. But I think you trot out there, Gensel, Crosby, Rodriguez, try to unlock Rodriguez. And then on that second line, you have Malkin with Rust and whoever you put on that other side. Whether that be a Danton Heinen if he's healthy, whether that be, you know, Maybe put Rust on the left side, put Kasperi Kapanen up there. Those two guys, Malkin and Rust, have been so good. Maybe that unlocks something in Kapanen. I think before you ship him out, and we'll get to trade speculation in our pens poll, before you ship out Kapanen, you have to try to unlock that potential at least one more time. Because if you do, he is so much more valuable on this team than whatever you're going to get for him in exchange, I think. Yeah, totally. I think... You mentioned Rodriguez being pushed up and around to the Malkin or Crosby line. One thing Rodriguez is playing with this year, and he may have lost it uh, in the last few games, uh, but he definitely didn't have it last year. It was playing with confidence. Yeah. That was huge for him, and that was a big part of why he was, he's been able to get 30 points. So maybe pushing him up to the second or first line again can regain that confidence and kind of kick him back into gear. We've seen something strange from Evan Rodriguez. I don't know where it has gone. Uh, good things don't last forever, but maybe just a little kick like that does something. Kapanen, you're right. He's better off on this team than somewhere else, I guess, for now. And Sorry, if you can like unlock his, his potential. Sorry, I was taking yeah. a drink. But if you can't, then you're better off getting, I don't know, almost anybody. That's how bad he's playing, but we've, yeah, we, we've, we've talked about that ad nauseum. Sorry. You're good. But just also, Jason Zucker... I, believe something can still come from that it is just a yeah. matter of time he was when he first got here pre-pandemic he was fine he was a good he's a good little winger for crosby to have mm-hmm. but ever since you know, the bubble since the since the shutdown in the bubble he's just been next to nothing um but we know his like captain we know the potential that is there and that can be unlocked uh but again this whole team needs to figure itself out this whole yeah. depth situation needs to organize itself and get in the right gear and play with confidence i think that might be a part of it too i don't know how confident they're really playing things look strange because when this team's popping off you can tell mm-hmm. yeah they're 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 it's, tough team to to be yeah. when it they're is. going all systems go but here's the thing you have three players that have gone on de facto cold streaks one of them is injured zucker kapanen and rodriguez you can have one of them be cold. You cannot have all three of those guys be cold at the same time. Now, Zucker is injured, but when he's healthy, you cannot have all three of those guys cold and still be able to compete because this team is not built on two players anymore. It's built on 
you know, supposed to be a four four line team. Yeah, and one thing about Zucker too is you mentioned uh, that he's playing well outside of not getting points. He came into the season saying he needed to be better. He wanted to shoot the puck more. He wanted to score mm-hmm. more. Again, I don't have the numbers in front of me to know if that's exactly what's going on with him, but if he is at least doing the correct things away from the puck and driving play to the best of his ability right now, there's something there. We know he's playing with his confidence because he said he was going to. He's playing with an extra edge. He's playing with a chip on his shoulder, damn near. It's about time to see that kick into gear and just get the good, get the right bounces. He, all these guys might just need one bounce. Kapanen, we don't know. Everyone else might just need one good bounce to free themselves of this little slump. Mm-hmm. I say Kapanen, we don't know because we've seen him get a hat trick and then fall back down into nothing. Yeah. Whereas maybe Zucker just needs that one bounce to go his way and the confidence is back. Rodriguez, maybe he needs a quick, you know, good, a nice uh, nice goal and a nice assist to regain his confidence. It's it's a heady game they're playing right now. Mm-hmm. All of them. You know, uh, we, winning helps, yeah. too. So Evgeny Malkin, I think we both agree that no matter who's on his wings, he's probably going to pop off at the end of the season. It's probably going to be more so if he's able to get good play from his wingers. Uh, The one last thing I want to leave everybody with, we're talking about Jason Zucker and the way he's played. He has 88 shots on the season, which is good for, I believe, that's sixth on the team, and he's played in way less games than everybody ahead of him. So he's shooting the puck much more, which he said he needed to do. He's came through on that promise. His shooting percentage is at 6.8%. Eventually, that will go up. Yeah. That is so far below the mean that eventually, that, that's a little bit, you can start to say, that is puck luck. And part of it is his fault because sometimes he gets a little too over-anxious. And sometimes he misses the net. Sometimes he makes some some puck mistakes. But a lot of it also, not a lot, but some of it has to be puck luck with only a 6.8 shooting percentage. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't always take a hard look at shooting percentage because I don't know why. I just don't. If mm-hmm. If you're scoring a lot and you're not shooting a lot, congratulations. You're just, you know, Mr. Perfect. But I look at shots and I say, how many shots are you taking? Are you taking good chances? Are you yeah. getting a- pucks on net, which is the base, the most basic portion of this game? Pucks yeah. on net. Um, are you doing that? And he is. I mean, there's only one, two games that Jason Zucker has played in this year that he has not recorded a shot in. Yeah. Twice. So, hey, get get your shots in pucks on net and the bounces will come to you the bounces will maybe lead to a an assist whatever it may be something's got to kick you into gear and for what it's worth he's holding to his promise yeah he's shooting the puck a lot more and i I get succeeding in it but he's holding to it yeah i i see what you mean about it's not always about the quantity of shots sometimes it's about where you're taking the shots from the quality of shots and the quality of looks you're getting but that's also something that we can uh dive into another day but we're gonna take a quick break here at the tip of the iceberg when we return we're gonna preview penguins versus bruins because that's coming up on tuesday as the penguins are getting ready to get back into action looking to end their four game skid we'll be right back the moment we've been waiting for since september is finally here cincinnati Bengals and the los angeles rams for super bowl 56 in honor of the big game DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the Super Bowl is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5, get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, 
make sure you play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. Why? Because new customers can get a free shot and a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and you can win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. Must be 21 or older. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the TN Redline at 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467369. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. The Pittsburgh Penguins are done with All-Star Weekend, as is the rest of the National Hockey League, and they will kick off their second portion of the season at TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts, against the Boston Bruins, which has been a house of horrors for the Pittsburgh Penguins for the past decade plus. But luckily, the it's not been as bad, because last year, the Penguins actually won a game at TD Garden, but we will preview this series here, or the series, this game here in this segment. Of course, this is the first matchup of the season between the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Boston Bruins. Last year, they were in that de facto East Division, played eight times. The Penguins were 3-4-1 and one against the Bees last year and 1-2-1 and one in Boston. When you look at the Bruins this year, they are fourth in the Central Division, second in the wild card race. They have games in hand, though, so they can be, move up. They're 6-3-1 in their last 10, 15-8-1 at TD Garden, and they are led, of course, by the perfection line, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, and David Pasternak. Horwat, when you see this matchup, when you see that it's at TD Garden, what are you expecting from the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday evening? Uh, Not much, usually. I used, <laughs> I used to look at playing in Boston the way I looked at playing against Chicago for a long time. Just, there's no... Not no chance, but got to play at a different level. Have to play at the higher level to uh, beat this damn team. Mm-hmm. We can do it. We've proven it before. We crushed them at home for a couple seasons. Yeah. Um, it's a matter of finding that ability to beat the Bruins just in their own garden, if you will. Uh, what's Is Tuka Rask playing yet? Yeah, that's something I have down here. The the Bruins have a really weird goaltending situation where they currently have three goaltenders that they can choose from. Tuka Rask has played in four games, has not gone very well. Bruce Cassidy has said, listen, it's going to take him some time to get his feet underneath him. He's coming off of a hip surgery. He is 2-2 two and two in those four games with an 844 save percentage and a 4.28 goals allowed average. So he hasn't been good in the games that he's played, but again... He is coming off of a major hip surgery that he's trying to get back into form with, and he didn't really have much conditioning to speak of. Yeah, so the, my first immediate thought is give us Tuca so we can <laughs> get some goal yeah. scoring going for us. But also, you look at you have to look at the rest of this team. You mentioned the perfection line. Oh, boy. Yeah. Love when names of, when line names are just very pretentious. Um, it's inter- Oh, also, what? 
Okay, so as I look at daily faceoff in the lineups, Pasternak is on the second line, not with Bra- Marchand and Bergeron. Mm. They're with Craig Smith as the first line right winger. Mm-hmm. Uh, just NHL create a player name generator. Um, and then you forget Taylor Hall is down there. This team used to be a very top-heavy team, the Bruins. It with is. With their one line and then nothing. Yeah, that might be why but, Pasternak's on the second line, though. With Taylor Hall, and that makes sense. Now you have two scoring now you have two threats maybe not scoring threats in Bergeron but now you have two threats uh on each of your first two lines mm-hmm. then you go down to the bottoms the bottom six and you got Jake Dabrowski just who may not might, just might not want to be there don't know what the hell's going on with that anymore yeah um Charlie Coyle who was impressive when he first got to Boston but now has kind of just turned into casual bottom six Boston and not doing much of note yeah um one thing that makes me feel very good is that Trent Frederick isn't in this lineup because that is a pest to play against. That yeah. is that is Boston curated into a hockey player. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably – I've never heard it explained like that, but that is perfect to explain Trent Frederick. I believe he's injured currently. I think he is too. I think it was a bad injury too, actually, if I'm not mistaken. So I might feel a little bad for saying that. Um, but the other thing too about this team that I've always looked at, like you mentioned the bottom six – in Boston has always kind of been a lot of mishmashes of nothing. The defense has also been quite questionable over the last few years. I mean, they held on to Zidane Ochara far past his expiration date. Mm-hmm. I've never enjoyed Charlie McAvoy until I, until now, I guess. He's a he's their top guy. There's no one else really battling for him. And then you look at the rest of this defensive lineup. You got Matt Grizzly, who's been there forever and ever on man. Okay, not bad. Again, Boston likes holding on to their guys. Matt Grizzlick's one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Mike Riley and Brandon Carlo. When did Brandon Carlo get here first? He's been Second. there for a year or two. Okay. Second, okay, I guess. It's it's a line. But then this third line of Derek Forbert and... Oh, I'm not going to attempt that name. That's a I bunch gotta, of... I got to look it up. That makes me very interested. It's, it's very Finnish. And... Okay. Yeah. But it's a third. It's a third defense, defensive pairing of, please, we can beat these two, can't we? So I am confident in the abilities of the Penguins' offense beating this defense. It's just a matter of getting that bot, our bottom six into gear. And judging by your face, you're reading Uro's name, Urho Vakanainen. Yeah, I love that name. That's a that's a hockey name right there, and that is very very Scandinavian. I don't know if that's Swedish or Finnish. I've all right. Wish it helped me a little more than that, but yeah. <laughs> the, um, just if our bottom six can kick it into gear, mm-hmm. our bottom six can beat the hell out of that of their bottom two pairings mm-hmm. defensively. Yeah, I think. And if we can fight through their first two, especially if they keep Pasternak separated from the first line, I don't know what Taylor Hall's done this year other he, than he's forced on them in scoring. Oh, no, he didn't get suspended for that hit. Because it, it wasn't as... He didn't make the hit. Whatever happened. Nathan McKinnon's stick made contact with his face and knocked him out. Fair enough. Um, that being said, yeah, I don't know what Taylor Hall has really done this year. I know he's refound his game since joining Boston, so that's a little scary. But I don't think Taylor Hall did that much against the Penguins last year, if I'm remembering correctly. No, he, he really did not whenever he got there. I don't know how many times they played after the Taylor Hall trade. 
but it had to be a couple. I know they played a couple because they didn't play the Bruins until later in the season, most of the time. But no, I, I think when you look at this team and when you look at you know how they've been scoring goals, it's been top heavy, it's been power play. It's going to be a, a battle of the of the penalty kills. Really, stay it's going to be box, boys. It, both teams need to stay out of the box. I mean, you look at the Bruins; they have the fourth best power play in the National Hockey League. Obviously, it's top-heavy with the Taylor Halls, the Bergerons, the Marchands, the Posternocks, the McAvoys. That's a talented unit, and obviously the Penguins can go toe-to-toe with that unit, but you don't want to. If you're going to win this game, especially as the Pittsburgh Penguins, you need your bottom six to win this game for you because the top sixes are going to cancel out. Both of them are going to get their opportunities. Goaltending might steal you a game, but again... Look at, at the Bruins. If they start Tuka Rask, can they trust him in a game against a team in the Penguins that is really high-flying when they want to be? But you look at the Bruins also, they have the eighth-best penalty kill in the league. So two top ten on their special teams units. It's going to be a battle if anybody goes to the box. And you look at them outside of it, they're a middling team in total. They're 15th in goals per game. They're 13th in goals allowed per game. So this is going to be a good matchup, I think. It's going to be a close game. Don't take anybody minus one and a half. Whoever is the favorite, don't take that because it's going to be a one-goal game, in my opinion. And if the Penguins are going to win, they're going to have to get secondary scoring. They're not going to be able to do this crap that they've done the last four games where it's, well, we'll let our top four players put the puck in the back of the net and we'll try to just hold on for dear life other than that. No, you need those other guys. If Danton Heinen's in, this is a de facto revenge game for Danton Heinen. It'd be nice to see him get a goal. This is a de facto revenge game for Evgeny Malkin that... That's who he got his knee injury against. I know Tenorti is no longer on the Bruins, at least I don't think so, but that's who injured him. It's where he tore his knee last year. So revenge game for Malkin, revenge game for Heinen. I hope both of them get a goal. If the Penguins want to win, they're going to need more people like Heinen to score and obviously get what they get from the top players. Yeah, it it could be an impressive game. It could be a really fun game. It's just a matter of playing the correct ways, and the big part will be the penalties staying out of the box yeah and keeping each other's uh power play on the bench mm-hmm. as much as you can because our five on five team sucks and like you mentioned the bruins are shockingly a middling team they are shockingly oh. i mean yeah the goaltending situation didn't do them any favors and they've been waiting for two grass to come back but um who's behind him swayman swayman and allmark oh, have not been bad yeah it, 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 they put so much money into allmark you i think Maybe you expected a little more. I don't know. A nine thirteen and a two sixty four isn't terrible. No, he's he's not having a horrible season. The big problem with them again is defense and secondary scoring, which for the Penguins has been the issue the last couple of weeks. So it's really going to be a battle of strengths. It's going to be whose top six can outscore the other one. But again, if the Penguins want to win, they need the bottom six to figure their shit out in this game. And now's the perfect time to do it in Boston because we know those demons. Oh my gosh. That's the thing. I mean, if Tuka Rask does start, I don't care how bad he's been, Tuka Rask against the Pittsburgh Penguins usually does not go the Pittsburgh Penguins way. Usually. Usually. But here's the thing. Let's say this, and we'll end it on something like this. The Penguins are currently technically on a four-game losing streak. Let's give them a clean slate right now. You are where you are in the standings. Ignoring the four-game losing streak, you are 0-0 zero and zero post-All-Star break. Go out there, get a really good start. I don't care what's going on. Obviously, trends are trends, and we have to pay attention to them, and we've already talked about them for 38 minutes on this show. But clean slate, fresh start, go out there, 
play Penguins hockey, pass Jesse Marshall's vibe check when it comes to forechecking, and win a game in TD Garden. Change the fortunes and just get going on the right foot here post-All-Star break. And it's possible. We know we've done it. We have a good enough team. We have we have the names. Mm-hmm. Now it's the matter of now it's a matter of the names performing. Correct. So we shall see what happens. That is Tuesday night at seven. If you are a fan of THPN Watch Longs, I will be live watching along on the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel. So check that out as well. But we're gonna take a quick break here on the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. When we return, our weekly pens poll talking about who should be shopped out at the Penguins trade deadline. We will talk about that after the break. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds, and even better opportunities, especially with Super Bowl 56 in less than a week. Again, promo code THPN for great odds and opportunities at sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So Horwat, it's time for our weekly pens poll. This one we got a lot of comments on, a lot of discussion on, and I thank everybody on Twitter for chipping in, chiming in, giving your two cents. We love it. I have a lot of the comments written down here that I will talk about. But our poll this week was, which Penguins player should be shopped at the NHL trade deadline? Not necessarily traded, but should be a guy that Ron Hextall is saying, hey, this guy's available and we're willing to deal. Which of these players would you choose? Jason Zucker got over 50% of the vote. 51%. And I think both of us disagree with that, so we'll get into that in a minute. But Jason Zucker, far and away, the clear winner of this poll, if you want to call it a winner. 51% of the vote. Kasperi Kapanen, a name that we would have never thought to be in this conversation at the beginning of the season, gets 36% of the vote. So it really was a two-horse race. Casey DeSmith, I think people are already just like, what are we going to get back for kind of a washed backup goalie in Casey DeSmith? He gets 9% of the vote. Still a couple people want to get rid of him. And other got 4% of the vote. I'll read a couple of the uh, comments here, and then we'll get into our opinions. Braden said, honestly, all of them. Love that. It might have been in the other vote. Honestly, all of them. And being honest, I like it. AP Spicy says, Zucker, DeSmith, and Dominic Simone. I don't know what you're getting for Dominic Simone. Again, we talked last week. I think in his role, he's been fine this year. I mean, he hasn't scored goals, but do we expect him to? Do we really expect him to? I feel like that's unrealistic expectations, expecting Dom Simone to score more than five goals this season, to be completely honest. So, but AP Spicy says Zucker, DeSmith, and Simone. I don't know what you're getting. If you package those guys together, you might get a second round pick. (laughs) You might get a second round pick. And then a True North Pens fan also said... I think Zucker will be clutch down the stretch. People are underestimating his full game. So you and True North Pens fan are just like this on on the Jason Zucker belief. So that is what our listeners and our followers have thought. Horwat, what do you think of this Pens poll and what did you vote for? So I voted for other because I also commented that all of them is the only correct answer. Hmm. I do believe that Zucker is going to be the new piece to this team going down the stretch Mm -hmm. but at the same time i understand that this is that this is a business and that if anybody's going to be traded zucker's a good piece because everyone in the league know he has skill 
Everyone in the league knows he can do something. He's making a lot of money for a reason. Um, I mean, hell, the Wild locked him up to uh, a clause that really, you know, you can't trade him anywhere. I'm trying to remember the name of it now. Modified no trade. So mm-hmm. when you have that on your contract, more often than not, there's a reason. Yeah. You, the team doesn't want to lose you. So I don't mind the Zucker answer, and I don't mind him winning this, because you can get a lot in return for him. Not mm-hmm. a lot, a lot as in a first-liner, but you can get uh, a good draft pick, maybe a prospect, and maybe a usable piece. Capital, uh, we just don't want to see anymore. <laughs> I think there's a reason for that. Capital, we're just done with. And so, same with DeSmith, but DeSmith we have to hold on to because we don't know what the domain situation is, and really... What are our other backup goalie options? Are we tr- are, are we trading backups with somebody? Are we just swapping backup G's? Because that doesn't that's not a trade that happens very often. No. More often than not, you're just gonna ride your backup as much as you can and tell them try your hardest, bud. <laughs> Figure it out in the off season. So, wh- whereas I wouldn't mind seeing all three of them get moved, we're not moving. No, that's way too that's way too much turnover. Yeah, you don't want to mess with the chemistry and the turnover that much. Unless you're packaging. Like, all three of these in a package would be insane. But again, what are you getting back for that? Because yeah. the trade trading nowadays is hard. And it's un, it's unpredictable. Mm-hmm. So, while I do like the Zucker uh, leading, this, leading this poll, it's just a matter of, I think he could still do something. But you get a lot of return out of him. I get why that was the winner here. Kasperi Kapanen's interesting just because, I mean, the dude's done nothing. The dude has done nothing and will take a bag of pucks for him. Yeah. But, again, it's a lot of money and he's an RFA. Best of luck to anybody who takes him. Yeah, that's a rental situation. Yeah, and to Smith I've gone over. So, Mm -hmm. it's a hard question, whereas I like the answer of all of them. We just know that's not going to happen. But also, Jason Zucker being at the top of the list makes a lot of sense to me. When we talk about who's going to be in conversation for trades, yeah, sure. Take all of them, throw their names out there, and whichever one gets the best return, that's the one you pull the trigger on. I mean, that's the, that's the, the cheap answer to this question. But when I look at it, Jason Zucker is the player that is going to help this team the most if he stays. I understand that his cap situation is the worst out of everybody on this list, but at the same exact time, you're trying to win a Stanley Cup this year. Who cares about next year right now? Focus on this year. And of the three of these guys, Jason Zucker is going to help you the most as of right now, even that he's injured. He's coming off of surgery. Kasperi Kapanen is the guy that I don't want to, I think that's recency bias. That everybody said, you know what? He's been trash all year. That's recency bias though. If he turns it around, then he could potentially be the guy of these three that helps you the most. DeSmith, I don't think you get anything back for. So that's why I don't vote for DeSmith. But of these three guys... I'm willing to move on for Kasperi Kapanen because you're not going to sign him back in the offseason anyway. What you get back from him might be helpful. You might look for a new situation for him, and it might be a one-for-one with a little bit of an incentive piece on the side. Maybe you go up to Vancouver and you say, hey, if we throw in a couple sweeteners, do you give us a Connor Garland? Do you give us a JT Miller? I know that's a stretch. But maybe Jim Rutherford wants to deal with his former team. But then again, we don't know why he left. So maybe he doesn't want to deal with his former team. But I think the interesting thing when you look at these three names is all three of them, you're selling low. Like you're not selling high on any of these guys. You have to do a sell job if you're Ron Hextall. You have to say, 
hey, listen, Kasperi Kapanen, he's had a down season, but maybe it changed the scenery. Or do you have to say, hey, Jason Zucker has been all over the place, but not quite there, and we need a little bit of cap flexibility. Otherwise, we would keep him. We love Jason Zucker. You have to do a sell job because you're selling low on all these players. The return is not going to be great because you can do as, as well as you want to do if you're on Hextall and trying to sell any of these guys. But other general managers are not stupid. They've watched the games. They have their scouts. They know where all three of these guys are. And that's not a valuable position right now. You're trading these guys as a weakness, not as a strength to your organization. So do I think any of them get traded? Potentially Kapanen. I don't think DeSmith gets traded. You might move him out by being demoted. But I don't think you trade DeSmith and get anything realistically in return that's valuable. So if there's any of them that are going to get traded, I think it's Casey or I think it's Kasperi Kapanen. Do I think they ask around on Jason Zucker? Yes, but the only one that I can see getting actually moved would potentially be Kapanen, but again, it feels like a stretch. It feels like giving up on him would be something that's not keen to Hextall and Burke. I know they don't have really any connection to him other than the fact that they took over the team and he was here, but I I really think that if any of them are going to get traded, it's Kasperi Kapanen. It might be a recency bias, but other than that, I, I I think it's probably him. Yeah, and that makes total sense. You know, for what it's worth, you mentioned Casey DeSmith and him being moved by way of minors. He would have to fly through the waivers. And you know who needs a save at all? Buffalo. Take yeah. him. Take him. Let him be your starter. Well, I mean, a lot of people are saying Buffalo might trade Craig Anderson. Would you be interested in Craig Anderson as a backup? Uh, you know, I wouldn't hate the idea. As a rental? I mean, I'm pretty sure he's oh, on a one-year deal. Oh, he was retired before he got to Washington, so I'm assuming he's on a one-year deal. <laughs> True. So, yeah, I, that's why I, I don't hate that idea, especially if he's just filling in for Domingue at the time. I like the idea of DeSmith for Anderson. Again, Backup for backup isn't a trade that we see very often, if at all, especially no. in the middle of a season. No. You'd be trading probably like a third or fourth round pick for Craig Anderson, I would imagine, yeah. depending on where the market's at. Yeah. And then you just – but then you send DeSmith through waivers and he gets picked up by Buffalo, and then you then you discuss why the hell didn't you just trade him. Mm-hmm. That being said, Buffalo needs a goalie, period. Well, they, they need to have a goalie – that is going to actually do something there. Not a not a 38-year-old goaltender that's just there till they can push the can down the road. Craig Anderson's 40. So, not, that too, not, he, like I said, he was retired before yeah. he got to Washington. But I mean, in eight, he's only played eight games this year because he has dealt with injury. But he is back from that injury in those eight games, which is basically the same sample size that Casey Smith has played. 262 goals allowed average and a 917 save percentage. That's an I upgrade. Nine, I, hear Nevin, I hear 917. I like it. Yeah, that's an upgrade so, on what DeSmith has shown this far. So I don't know what it takes. Again, there's goaltenders out there like Holtby, like Flurry, like Halak. So there is there is a market for goaltenders that you might be able to make it a buyer's market, but we'll see what happens with that. I wouldn't hate bringing in Craig Anderson for a low pick to just try to get Tristan Jari some help. I think that's where the value is. Just get him some help, get him some rest, especially, you know, he's played a lot of hockey. The team's coming up are a lot more difficult. The Penguin schedule does not get easier at the end of the season. No, and those names you mentioned, the flurry thing isn't going to happen. That's a ton of not money. Not to us, no. Somebody else, not yes. Not to us. And hopefully not Washington either. Um, Holtby, Ooh. speaking of Washington, is interesting because what the hell happened to him? 
but also how much is he making right now and what is his ability actually at mm-hmm. I, I think it'd be fun to be an absolutely petty move on Holby's part to come to the rival yeah because i that, that relationship didn't end the greatest didn't it i think he wanted to get paid he just couldn't do it in washington interesting i don't remember how that ended he went he left as a free agent i know that but that's interesting maybe i don't know but but Craig Anderson, I don't mind because he's cheap. We know he we know he's only going to be a rental. Yeah, and he's just kind of fodder until Domingue gets figured out, and DeSmith gets moved on from. Because mm-hmm. again, Buffalo needs a save. DeSmith can give you a couple. I don't know how good. I don't. I don't. I don't think Buffalo wants DeSmith back in that deal. I think they'll be like, we'll take the pick and we'll be fine with that. You don't. You don't need to send us Casey DeSmith. You can send him down and and pay the tax to have him down in the minors. Yeah. Oh, Halak, that was the other name you mentioned. Yes. I don't hate that. That might be the best option out of the ones you mentioned. Remember, Halak is it, the one that Matt Vensel said the Penguins might have their eye on. Yeah, and because it, it makes the most sense. Mm-hmm. Like I said, Fleury's just going to cost too much. We don't know what Holtby is anymore. He could Holtby could still be a starter for all we know. We don't need another starter on this Yeah, team. Dallas is really weird with their goaltenders right now. Yeah. They and have Halak, three and had four coming into the season before Ben Bishop retired. Yeah, and Halak is just in a weird middle ground of we know he has starting ability, but he just shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. So that one makes the most sense. Yeah. We talked about goalies for far too long in this question. Well, this is what happens. We talk about goalies, and it goes. But uh, it was a good episode of The Tip of the Iceberg. That's where we're going to end it. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. Horwat, I mean, we're we're to the latter half of the season. We don't have to deal with the the All-Star break anymore. What is uh what is one last thing you want to say here before we say goodbye? Uh man, if you watched the All-Star game, I'm sorry. Uh <laughs> if you watched the Pro Bowl or sorry, the 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 youth touch football game. Yeah. Um I'm sorry if uh what else? What else? What else am I sorry for? The flag football game that they had on before that was way more physical. <laughs> of course it was. Yes. Uh that's it, I guess. Just enjoy some hockey. We're back and I got nothing else. All right. Well, that's (laughs) have a good week. That's going to do it for this episode of the tip of the iceberg. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Have a good week. Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at Nick Horwat 41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at iceberg podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcast from so please subscribe and rate us on apple podcasts we are brought to you by the hockey podcast network you can visit them on twitter at hockeypodnet or at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com every team everywhere